Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Pastor Mike Holt uh, was our speaker this weekend and uh, did a phenomenal job. He also spoke. Yeah, give it up for him. He also spoke our youth camp uh, back in 2018. Uh, he's a powerful man of God. He pastors Nations Church in Athens, Georgia. And so he came all the way from Athens, Georgia to pour his heart and invest into the teenagers of Harrison Faith Church and the leaders of Harrison Faith Church. And so I want you to give him a warm Harrison Faith welcome to Pastor Mike Holt. Thank you, Pastor Caleb. I don't know about you, but I love to see our teenagers in the altar worshiping and going after God this morning. Doesn't that refresh your heart? And so thank you for allowing me to be here, Pastor Caleb, Big Daddy. We know you had the hard job this weekend, uh, but let's pray for his wife, Morgan, and, uh, but great to be with you. Thank, thank you for the honor of being here. I love these kids, and I just echo what... Uh, Pastor Caleb said about you leaders, you are the MVP of this weekend, and so thank you for what you've done to pour into and invest into these teenagers. Let me also, as a pastor, speak pastor to pastor. Uh, the reality is this has been a difficult uh, 15, 16, 17 months. However long 2020 has now lasted, this has been a long journey uh, for all of us. I realize that, but I just want to take a moment and just uh, brag on your pastor and his wife for the phenomenal job that they have done over the last year and a half navigating the pandemic that has hit our world. And I can tell you as a pastor, you have no idea how hard it has been and how many leadership decisions have had to be made throughout the course of this last 18 months. It's been a very difficult journey uh, for pastors, but just knowing your pastor and his wife, I, they have done a phenomenal job in leading this church through this season. And I just want to take my hat off to you and say, Pastor Brian and Sandra, great job in leading this church in this last season. Can we show some love and appreciation to your pastors. I do want to uh, speak a message out of Mark chapter 10 this morning, if you want to go there in your Bible. I also want to make a, a shameless plug about a resource that we just developed uh, in Athens called Inside Out. It is a discipleship book that is designed to help you strengthen four spiritual disciplines in your life. That is an acronym that we just call CORE, connecting with God, obeying Him in everything, releasing your ministry, and engaging in outreach and missions. And so this is a discipleship journey for those of you that want to grow in your faith and not just be a believer, but be a close follower of Jesus. This is a way in which you can do that. We have youth ministries that are doing this as a team. This is written on a level that anybody can understand. Uh, we have families that are doing it around the dinner table. I've done this with my own kids and trying to disciple my own family. And so if you're interested in this, there are a few copies uh, that are out on the table in in the back. There's a video series as well uh, that you can engage in. And so that information that is on the table, it's called Inside Out. We'd love for you to pick up one of the copies. Mark chapter 10 is where we're at this morning. Before we look at this message, let me ask the teenagers, how do you spell the word forward? 
We've been trying to instill in teenagers the fact that they should be taking notes during the sermons, and so I don't see many cell phones in your hand, by the way. You better pull them out and take notes. Here's question number two, teenagers, from last night. If you remember, we talked about the reality that when Jesus was on the boat, that the truth is that there are different boats and there's different lakes in your life. There's different issues that you're having to deal with as storms, but greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of you. And so when you find yourself in a storm, you're able to rise up and speak one word to the storm. And I'm curious if you remember what it is. I'm sorry, what did you say? Silence, exclamation point. Jesus said, peace be still. And this weekend we've tried to instill into your teenagers the reality of who they are in Christ and the authority that they have. This morning I want to speak a message and Teenagers, you're going to talk back to me, so get ready. I know you're tired, and I don't care. You're in church. Tie the message, and I think it's appropriate for the day and time in which we have been living in, is simply this, shout, don't pout. How many of you would agree that in the last 17 months we have had a lot that we could choose to pout about? And I believe that as we are now coming through this pandemic, and no, we do not want to prematurely say that it is over. I know that we still have to be wise and cautious, and that is my usual disclaimer. I also realize that if we're not careful that there has been a certain spirit that has settled within the hearts of believers and even local churches that there has been a lot to be down about. There has been a lot that we could pout about. And I'm telling you, I believe that we're in a season where God is wanting to turn our pout back into a shout. That there is a resurgence that needs to take place. That there is an uprising that needs to take place. That God is going to continue to restore that which has been lost, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to pour himself out upon the local church more than ever because we realize through this season that we need Jesus and we need to be in touch with the power of God more than ever. Let me remind you that whenever there is dry ground like we have just endured, the one thing that dry ground is desperate for is rain. And I believe that we need the rain of the Holy Spirit again to just come and bring life back to us. And so, teenagers, what's the title of the message this morning? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. What? One more time! <laughs> How do you spell forward? Silence. Then they came to Jericho. This is verse 46. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, and the Bible says he was begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's another exclamation point. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, 
But he shouted all the more. But he shouted all the more. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and said three things that I want to say to you this morning. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Teenagers, what are the three things that Jesus is saying this morning? Go. Let's try that again. And Jesus called to the blind man and said three things. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Teenagers, what is he saying this morning? That's better. How many of you would like to hear the adults say it as well? Uh, teenagers, what do you, uh, I mean, uh, slightly older teenagers. What are the three things that God is saying this morning? Thrown his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this message. Amen. Was that long enough? (laughs) Pray any longer and the teenagers are going to fall asleep. Let me start off by reminding you about a principle in the kingdom of God, and that is this. Your attitude sets the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. Your attitude sets the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. Let me say it one more time. Your attitude sets the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. Midst, how many of you would agree that attitude is everything? How many of you teenagers would say that perhaps your parents have looked at you from time to time and said, it is not what you said, it is... Man, y'all are on this morning. That attitude was everything. And I'm telling you, we're in a season where we are competing between two attitudes. The first attitude is an attitude of apathy, and the next attitude is an attitude for the amazing. Do you realize what apathy stands for? It is an acronym that basically means it is a perfect attempt to hate yourself. Apathy is an attitude that... Teenagers have got to get over, and to be honest with you, even as a pastor speaking to you, that the local church has got to get over an apathy that has settled in during this season. Let me tell you about another attitude that we can choose to embrace, and that is, my God is big, my God is amazing, my God is still upon the throne, my God is still faithful and true, my God is still who He says He is, and He's able to do all that He said that He can do, and I want there to be a crossover from apathy and to the amazing. How many of you still believe in a God who can do the amazing? We just need a different attitude. Pastor Caleb just had his second baby, not him, his wife. 
And it took me back just thinking about having my own children. I have three, Jake, Josh, and Hannah Grace. Jake is now 17, Josh is 16. They're 14 months apart. We did not plan it that way. Then I got a teenager, Hannah Grace, and she's 14, and so I have three teenagers. But how many of you, even though your kids may be older and grown and maybe out of the house, you can shut your eyes and it be just like yesterday that they were born? And I'll never forget whenever Jake was going to be born, we induced, we are sissies, we did not go natural. We took the epidural and all the medicine. And we induced that morning, and I'll never forget the attitude of that waiting room just began to fill with anticipation and with excitement. I was a youth pastor during that day, and all of my teenagers thought it would be a good idea to bombard the hospital and fill up the waiting room. The next time they have a baby, you need to do this. Okay. So in about 10 months, get ready. You need to do this. And <laughs> I don't know if that was prophetic or pathetic, but it was funny. <laughs> and they filled up the waiting room, and they were all excited. And we had aunts and uncles that I didn't even know I was related to. I am from the South. That came in to visit this momentous occasion and all the nurses were coming in throughout the day and finally the time came for Jake to be born and I held that baby in my arms and I said, truly this is a gift from God. Can I just remind you that though you're probably not or you may be pregnant in the natural, that many of us, listen, that we are still believing God for certain words and certain promises and certain things that we're trusting him for and I just want to remind you that the day and time will come where you behold in your life the promises of God that he has spoken over you that his name is still faithful and true and whatever he has started in your life he is faithful to bring to pass and so I want to encourage you this morning to not throw in the towel to not give up to not back down but still believe that the Lord your God is good to you and if God has spoken it, God will fulfill it because he takes great delight in you as his child. And so I sense a waiting room season within the church. I sense that some of us are starting to show. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) That we're pregnant and a sense of anticipation and promise for God to reveal himself as he is in this season. But it starts with an attitude. And blind Bartimaeus in this story had an attitude that we need to embrace. He had an attitude 
that when Jesus was passing by, he took every opportunity to maximize the moment. Can I just remind you to not take church for granted? Can I just remind you to not take your quiet time for granted? Can I just remind you that throughout this season, if there's one thing that we have learned as a church is that this is a sacred assembly. Oh, it was good when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, that this is a great place for us to be, is the place that we should be and we should not take it for granted. And Bartimaeus did not take for granted the fact that Jesus was passing by and this was his moment to reach out for a miracle. And the Bible says the only way he knew how to get the attention of Jesus was to shout. And the moment he began to shout, I need you to hear this. There is something that happens in your life whenever you begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to embrace this different attitude and this different mindset because I want to remind you that the greatest enemy of shout is shh. Hey, teenager, what's the greatest enemy of shout? Because I can assure you that whenever you start believing God again to do something great in your life, that whenever you make a decision that every promise is yes and amen whenever you make a decision to bury your head into the word of God and say God I'm not letting go whenever you make a decision of determination to hold on and to continue to believe God on the heels of your shout will come the shh of the enemy trying to talk you out of what God is trying to talk you into what's the greatest enemy of shout what's the title of the sermon today what are the three things that Jesus is trying to say to us? And blind Bartimaeus made a decision to shout all the more. <laughs> that though the came of the enemy, he made a decision to continue to shout. Let me ask you, what would possess this blind man, this beggar, the outcast of society, the one who had been looked over time and time again, what would have possessed this blind man to continue to shout all the more? The Bible says, listen, that they were at a place called Jericho. Let me tell you what will produce a shout in you when you realize that you are at a divine place. The Bible says that they were at a place called Jericho, and I'm going to insert a little bit of imagination here, where Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging and he thought to himself wait just a moment I'm at a place called Jericho and if walls fell at a place called Jericho then then certainly walls could fall at a place called Jericho right now you're at a divine place and maybe you don't even realize it that we're at a divine place we're 30 percent of churchgoers may never come back to church again on the heels of this pandemic. You're at a place called Jericho, and you may not even realize it, but I just want to remind you that the same God who did miracles back then is the same God who can do miracles now, and the same God who is at work in your history is the same God who wants to be at work in your present right now. What would possess this blind man 
Did I mention to you that he was the outcast of society? Did I mention to you that he was the one who was easily looked over? Did I mention to you that very easily would be the one that others would turn to and just say, shh, what would possess him to continue to shout? Here's another one, is I think he got fed up with his problem. Now, I'm not a professional psychologist, but I will tell you from experience that I have noticed that the people who get set free are the people who want to get set free. That the people who see God do something in their life are the people who are desperate enough to go after God not caring about what anybody else says, not caring about what anybody else thinks. They're desperate. And as we talk to the teenagers this weekend, the reality is that on the heels of your greatest season of desperation comes the greatest season of revelation in your life where Jesus shows up amongst those who are desperate for Him to do something in their life. What would possess Him to... I think he was desperate. And what would possess him to start shouting all the more? Here's another one. I think practically speaking, Bartimaeus thought to himself, if Jesus could do it for somebody else, then certainly Jesus can do it for me as well. Teenagers. Cool story. It was camp time. I can't remember what year it was. I just know I was much skinnier back then. I was preaching, I think it was in Wisconsin, and God was moving in worship just like we had just a few minutes ago, and it wasn't during the preaching, it wasn't during the altar call, it was during worship that the presence of the Lord began to fall, and this young lady comes up to me at the end of praise and worship and says, I need to testify. I've got to share something. Give me the microphone and let me share. And I have learned the hard way that you don't give up this microphone to just anybody. I have discovered there's a lot of cereal in the church, a lot of fruit and nuts. And... You don't just give the microphone to anybody. And so I was about to do my whole whisper it in my ear, and then I'll share a little bit of it. And she just grabs the microphone out of my hand and says, i got to share something. I am never going to be invited back. And she said, they disappeared. They disappeared. I said, young lady, what are you talking about? 17 years old, had already been battling severe breast cancer, had been under the care of a lot of chemotherapy and radiation, and the radiation produced scars all over her body. But during the middle of praise and worship, whenever the Spirit of God had fallen in that midst, she looked down, and every scar that was on her body had completely disappeared. I'm telling you, I think that this young lady in Wisconsin had the same attitude of Bartimaeus, that if God can do it for somebody else, then why can't God do it? it for me. He's no respecter of persons. He's just looking for a spirit of humility and desperation to say, oh God, I need you to be God again in my life. And so he shouted, shouted all the more. 
And he shouted, and he shouted all the more. And the more he shouted, the more those that were around him said, shh. But he shouted all the more. And all of a sudden, there was a pivotal moment in this story that began to take place. That those that tried to shush him in one moment were starting to call him the next. Because all of a sudden, Jesus got involved and all those that looked at Bartimaeus and said, shh, now all of a sudden, because Jesus was involved, began to call him. Listen, there is a moment, and I need you to pay attention to this. There is a moment when whatever battle you are going through, that whenever you don't give up and you don't grow weary and you continue to press in and you continue to remain faithful, there is a turning point that happens in your experience wherever you begin to realize that the thing that you thought was going to take you out is the very thing that God is going to use to take you up to your next level. When the very thing that you thought was going to be your ending all of a sudden in the hands of Jesus is a great and glorious beginning. And Jesus said, call him, and then said three things. What were they, teenagers? Lord, have mercy. You can tell we hadn't gotten much sleep. Cheer up. Say it. Cheer up. On your feet. On your feet. He's calling you. Adults help them out. What are the three things? Go. These three things. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. The first one was cheer up. And you know what he's addressing? He's addressing in this story a beggar's perspective. Cheer up. Understand that the perspective of a beggar in the biblical time was basically this is as good as it's going to get. They were the outcasts of society. They were the ones that everybody forgotten about. They were the unclean in the land. And as a beggar, the perspective was simply this. This is as good as it's going to get. Let me tell you something, church. If you are a blood-bought, born-again believer, you are not a beggar. You are a believer. A beggar says this. This is as good as it's going to get. A believer says the best is yet to come. There is a difference. Cheer up! I do believe that there are people in the church that think that pouting is a spiritual gift. And if there's one thing that we need, back in the house of God after all that we've endured is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Do you realize that you have the joy of the Lord already in you based on the presence of Jesus that's in your life through the Holy Spirit? Do we realize again very simply the difference 
between happiness and joy, that happiness is based on the what, on our exterior circumstances that surround us, but joy is based on a who that lives and dwells on the inside of us, and I just want to remind you that he is still on the throne, that he is still good, that he is still in charge, he's still in control, and he has not been taken surprised by anything that we've had to endure in the last 18 months. So I just want to say to you, cheer up. Y'all smile at me. Y'all smile at me. I'm going to tell you, when I first went on the road, I preached at a church that was not very happy. And I remember walking through, and man, I mean, just like sour faces Oh, I felt bad. I started walking around greeting everybody. I preached a sermon. I tried to be funny. Nobody laughed. Tried to get them to repeat some things back to me like, cheer up, say it. Not this church. And you could just sense this atmosphere of not only apathy, but just, ugh. You ever had that spirit try to settle on you? I call it the spirit of, ugh. So I said something. Now, I know Pastor Brian. He never does this. I know everything that comes out of his mouth is perfectly polished. It's well executed. He never says anything from the pulpit that he regrets. I understand that. But not me. And I'll never forget looking at this crowd. And I said, church, show me your teeth. I don't care if they're white, yellow, or fake. I want to see your teeth. And they didn't invite me back after that. And it wasn't that I was trying to communicate myself as a comedian. I said, I really wanted them, and I really want us this morning to grasp again that we have a reason to smile, that we have a reason to worship, that we have a reason to shout, that we have a reason that when the world is dark, the church of Jesus should shine even brighter, that, listen, though the world be one way on the outside in the house of God, that we are the light of the world and that we have the hope of Jesus and we have a reason to have a disposition about ourselves that maybe even a lost world does not have and his name is Jesus. And I just want us this morning to hear this from Cheer up! So when you go home this afternoon and your spouse starts pouting, you hereby have permission to punch them and say, and say, and say. And when you're on Facebook and you read something that starts to cause you to lose your joy, you need to say to yourself, 
And when something happens, okay, I'm going to stop right here, that you may not agree with, you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, Should I stop right there? Let me put a cherry on the top by saying this. It's better for you to lose Facebook than it is for you to lose your joy. And then he says, on your feet. He addresses a beggar's perspective, and now he's addressing a beggar's posture. And there he sat by the roadside begging. And Jesus looks at him and says, cheer up on your feet. Let me just give you the punchline. Are you ready? Beggars sit. Believers stand. Believers stand. That in the midst of the time in which we are living in, I really encouraged the teenagers this weekend with a vital truth, and that is, in the last days, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse in a lot of ways. Real encouraging, wasn't it? And there better be within you a stand. There better be within you the realization that you are different and you're called to be peculiar and you're not called to fit into everything. That there is a stand within you that everybody else can believe the lie, but not you. Why? Because there's a stand that everybody else can fall by the wayside, but not you. Why? Because there is a stand that everybody else can believe the lie of the devil, hook, line, and sinker, but not you. You're a disciple, and you're going to stand. This whole lie that floats around still in a generation that says that you're going to graduate high school, then you're going to fall away from God for a while, and then you're going to come back. Listen, I know that's a sad reality, but look at me, teenager. It is a lie from the pit of hell. You can live for Jesus all the days of your life from now until glory. You can make a decision that your stand is going to remain, that you are not a beggar. You are a believer, and that there is a stand within you. You don't be afraid to stand for truth. You don't be afraid of the culture in which we are living in that is trying to shape and pervert your mind, you bury your head in the Word of God and you make a decision right now that Jesus is Lord and that His Word is the Word of God that you're committed to live by all the days of your life and you don't lose your stand. Well, how come you won't do this? Everybody else is because I have a stand. That's why. On your feet. I remember, Caleb, I don't know how it worked two days ago whenever you had that baby, but Carla, almost 18 years ago now, in the hospital room and things were taking longer than what we wanted 
Those happy nurses were still happy, but we were just tired and ready for this baby. And I'll never forget, the doctor walks in and looks at what's going on and sits down on a stool. My wife's back here, sits down on a stool, crosses his legs, and looks up at a TV that's not even on. And I had another moment where I allowed something to come out of my mouth that I wish I could have reached out and grabbed and put back in. But I didn't. I was tired and a little bit irritable. And so I looked at this doctor and I said, is this what my insurance is paying you for? The action is over here. Which he said to me, I'm sorry. He said, do you, do you realize how many babies I've delivered in my long tenure? And I said, I don't care. This is the most important. But I am curious. So I said, how many, Doc? And he said, over 5,000. To which I began to do the math. And thought to myself, as a pastor, maybe I need to deliver babies on the side. That would be pretty good income. The things that go through your head when you're tired and worn out. But you know what happened in that moment of weariness? That doctor lost his expectancy. Do you know what weariness does? It causes us to lose our expectancy. And many believers come to church and they sit down and they look up on the words on the screen. But there's not a fresh faith in their heart. And I'm telling you, in the season of fatigue that we have walked through, we need a fresh faith to be deposited within us again. On your feet. Worship team, come on back if you would. And then Jesus sums it up by saying, he's calling you. Cheer up, teenagers say it. On your feet. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling me. How many of you like to hear the, teenage, the, the adults say it as well? Yeah. Cheer, up. Cheer up. On your feet. On your feet. He's, calling me. He's calling me. He addresses a beggar's perspective and he addresses a beggar's posture. Now he's addressing a beggar's purpose. I'm a simple man. I live in Georgia next to Alabama. <laughs> Probably knew where Georgia was. And I just believe in just being simple sometimes. Let me ask you a question, teenagers. Pop quiz. I know you love those in school. Do you know what the purpose of a beggar is? To beg! (laughs) If you're a blood-bought, born-again Christian, you're not a beggar, you're a believer. Do you know what the job of a believer is? 
And Jesus said this, the work of God is this, to believe. So you know what I see in my spirit happening within churches, happening within your church, is God lifting off this spirit of fatigue and settling within us again a spirit of faith. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you that it's time for us to believe God again. And let me say it to you this way, to believe forward. How do you spell forward again? You got a bunch of adults that are curious now about that sermon. You got to preach it to them. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. How many of you would just be honest as I'm going to be transparent with you? I don't think I've ever been as exhausted in my life as I have been the last 90, 120 days. How many of you would say, I'm weary this morning and not because of the retreat. <laughs> I'm just weary in life. Raise your hand. And the Lord would say to you, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. How many of you are ready to move forward with wisdom, but you're ready to move forward? Raise your hand. And the Lord would say to you, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And how many of you are still believing God to do some kind of miracle in your life? And the Lord would say to you, And a beggar says, this is as good as it's going to get. But a believer says, the best is yet to come. Cheer up on your feet. Lift your hands all across this place if you would. Lord, I'm asking for something that is by your spirit this morning. Lord, it's not by strength nor by might but by my spirit says the Lord here's the reality church is that we need the spirit of God to come upon us and to strengthen us to stand to strengthen us to continue to move forward I come against a spirit of fatigue in your life right now. I come against the heaviness. I come against the weariness. And Lord, I just declare, you know what I see in my spirit? Heavy garments that are going to come off of you even right now. And instead, may there be a garment of praise that would fall upon your life. May there be a spirit of worship that comes upon you instead of a spirit of weariness. May there be a spirit of praise that comes upon you instead of a spirit of pout. Shout! Don't pout!
Come on, you ready to take off the garment of despair this morning? I'm telling you, that has been the attempt of the enemy against the church is to bring the garment of despair upon us. And I'm telling you, there's a great exchange that is going to take place where we do what Bartimaeus did. The Bible says that he shed his cloak and then he came to Jesus. You know what I'm asking you to do this morning is to shed a spirit of despair and a spirit of fatigue and a spirit of worry and a spirit of fear and a spirit of being worn out and put on a garment of praise this morning. Can I remind you that what you wear every single morning in the natural is a choice. And what you wear spiritually is a choice. I choose to put on a garment of praise this morning. How about you? What are we singing? Okay, we're going to go into this song. And I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Cheer up! <laughs> On your feet. He's calling you. Can we praise him this morning? Can we give him a little bit of praise? I don't know, I don't know what time you're usually done, but can, can we have just a little bit of time of worship this morning? Come on, lift a hand to heaven again. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that there's been great anxiety. I have battled it in my own life. I know there's been great stress. I know there's been great weariness and fatigue. There's been a lot of despair. There have been a lot of questions. There's been a lot of things we've tried to reconcile. And Lord, what you're saying to us now is just to put our eyes back on you, Jesus. Lord, I put my eyes upon you and not a political party. I put my eyes upon you and not social media. I put my eyes upon you and not a man who has said something. I put my eyes upon Jesus who has never failed me, who has never let me down, who will never let me go. I put my eyes upon Jesus who is speaking unto my spirit this morning. Shout, don't pout on your feet. I'm calling you. So I'm going to ask that you would begin to worship right now. I don't know what your custom is. I don't know what your tradition is. I don't know if you're used to lifting a hand to the Lord or not. I don't know if you typically mumble during worship and just kind of sing in your head. I'm asking you to do me a favor this morning and to sing unto the Lord a new song. <laughs> 